Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth and concepts for improving organizational culture. This is your host, Philip Grison. As you increase your wisdom, I hope you enlighten others on your path towards greatness. If you want to go further, head over to leaderthink.com. Let's face it, a lot of people just don't like safety professionals. I've been thinking a lot about this topic recently. On one hand, the safety profession is such a moral cause. How could anyone dislike safety when it is all about staying alive or not getting hurt? On the other hand, I've heard a tremendous amount of dislike for the safety profession in my career. Some of you may know Pamela Fisher and might also know that she's my mother. She's a well-respected mentor in the safety profession, so if you don't know her, check out her stuff. She has a lot of great podcasts on ProSafeSolutions.com, along with Mike McCarroll, who is also an awesome mentor and happens to be my stepfather. I've been very blessed to have incredible safety professionals, not only as mentors, but also as family members. I owe so much of my success to both of them. So one day I was developing some course material, and I told my mother I was struggling with a name for the course. I told her I didn't want to put safety in the title because safety is a bad word. Her response was golden. She said, safety isn't a bad word. It's the way we manage it that is bad. That response has stuck with me for a while now. So if you're a fan of human performance, then you know it's the system, right? It's almost always the system. The system for becoming a safety professional is at root of why so many people just dislike safety. But there's also great potential for us to transform the safety profession. If we step back and look at this system from a distance with clarity, we can revise it and transform it. The main thing that is missing in this safety profession is the emotional intelligence to do the job. Our current system tends to educate people on laws and rules to follow, but the same system is severely lacking when it comes to developing leadership traits and managing your own thoughts and emotions. Many in our profession start their career path by learning OSHA law and company policy. As an adjunct professor at Georgia Tech, I see so many people start with an OSHA 510 course. Maybe they attended a 10 or a 30 hour before, but the 510 is a usual place to start for a lot of up-and-coming safety professionals. They learn the basics of several standards, but we just don't have the time to teach all of the standards in a week-long course. Often in the 510, I find myself saying I can only squeeze in so much of scaffolding, trenching, or fall protection, or confined space into one hour. Still, it's a needed starting point. We need an introduction. We need to know the regulations that apply to our work. The problem is that the entire focus is on rules and often interpreted as what we need to look for that is not in compliance. This trains people to look for what is wrong so they can correct it. It's normal to include some disciplinary policy with this work, to make sure our workforce obeys the rules. A typical second step is to take an OSHA 500 class so the safety professional can now become a teacher. 
Of course, the 500 is just a government-created process that gives someone the authorization to teach a 10 or a 30-hour. And those courses just so happen to not meet any regulatory requirement with federal OSHA. They don't make us qualified people, as OSHA often lists as the requirement to deliver regulatory required training. Still, a lot of people misinterpret that. The 500 does not make you qualified to teach competent person courses. From there, safety professionals often seek further, more in-depth training on the specific subjects such as trenching, fall protection, confined space, the myriad of technical topics related to our profession. It is a good thing to have deep technical knowledge of these topics that are relevant to our work. But it is only one small component of a well-rounded safety professional. When safety professionals advance beyond the regulatory technical knowledge, they often take a human performance course or some sort of advanced safety management training. They often reach a point where they realize they need more than just the technical regulatory knowledge. They desire to make major progress in their safety culture efforts. And they realize that OSHA rules alone just aren't achieving that goal. Unfortunately, looking at things through a rational, technical lens doesn't change culture. Culture change efforts fail most often due to the emotional components of our workplace systems. And that is the thing that is missing in receiving so little attention in our profession. The emotional intelligence component. Great safety professionals have a high level of emotional intelligence. Those safety professionals that people can't stand are typically severely lacking in this department. I'm using the term emotional intelligence as a title, a placeholder for all the things necessary to become a great safety professional. The subheadings underneath that label are many. Some of those are understanding how our brains work and the ability to observe ourselves from an external view, great communication techniques and deep listening skills, the ability to manage our own emotions and influence the emotions of others, the cognitive behavioral model and the ability to separate our thoughts from our emotions and true unchangeable circumstance. The power of deep, sincere, positive reinforcement in the context of good job being lame. The ability to identify our own internal biases and diminish them. The skill of intentional thinking versus unintentional thinking. The need for continual, intentional, personal growth and how to master growth. These self-awareness skills or leadership traits, emotional intelligence, soft skills, whatever you want to call them, they are the skills that make a great safety professional great at their job. I see these skills as essential to the safety profession. Without deep awareness and strength with these concepts, we will never see the true culture shifts that we desire. The struggle is that I have to look outside the safety profession to obtain and develop these skills. There is no BCSP certification for self-awareness. 
However, these skills have been the most beneficial of all in my career. It would be awesome if these skills were prerequisites for safety professionals, but they are not. That is the circumstance that we are faced with. We have to search them out on our own because they are not required to obtain the label of safety professional. Maybe one day our profession will see how necessary they are, but in this present moment, it is totally on us to obtain them. That makes it especially difficult because often our employer won't pay for us to obtain them, nor make time in our schedule to obtain them. Often, it's all on us to do it with our own money on our own time. I think if you are listening to this podcast, you already get this. But I also think you see this need in our profession. If the emotional intelligence is all on us to obtain, if our industry is not going to require it of us on day one, then it is also on us to educate the world of this needed change. It's on us to start doing something about it, or if you already are doing something about it, to take it to another level. What can we do right now to transform our industry? I want to shift towards some tangible things we can do right now to begin this transformation. They are just ideas, and you will have to modify them for your own work-life experience. But my hope is that they give you ideas to feed off of and share with others. So first up, let's normalize the conversation. I heard a saying once, fear is at the root of all the time people spend in meetings not saying what is really on their minds. There is a stigma with talking about emotional intelligence in the construction industry. Some people see it as weakness. I've heard statements like millennial speak, woke culture, and kumbaya in so many of my leadership courses. I think a lot of people have a little reservation to talk about these concepts due to the stigma associated with them. So we have to start with ourselves. We have to get over the fear of talking about these concepts in meetings, training, one-on-one conversations. We have to be willing to go against what is popular in our construction safety cultures. We have to let go of the opinions of others thinking we are soft or weird when we communicate these skills. We need to go all in. We are communicating things that are not normal conversations in our industry as a whole. There will be resistance to these topics because they have a foreign nature to them. We must accept that that is part of the transformation process. All great transformations have faced resistance. We must see that that resistance is a normal part of the process. Otherwise, it will just demotivate us, and we may just give up thinking that this industry will never change. We have to go all in. Resistance should be viewed as a sign that you are on the right path. And it's not always fun. Sometimes it's really hard to deal with. But it truly is a sign you are on the right path. If it feels uncomfortable, you are most likely doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing. You are getting out of your comfort zone, yet at the same time speaking a truth that needs to be spoken. 
Once we get over the fear, the discomfort, and accept that resistance is normal, we can let it all out. We can communicate this need and start teaching it in every opportunity that presents itself. We must begin with the willingness to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, talking about things we haven't discussed before, teaching things we are still learning and not an expert on, and accepting the resistance that will show up every day. So instead of adding a bunch of extra work to your schedule, you can transform the things you already do to push this transformation up and over the hill. Here's a few examples. Toolbox talks. We can include leadership skills in toolbox talks. There is no rule saying we can't do that. If we are conducting a talk on ladders, we can include all the behavior and systems thinking we want while teaching the rules. We can ask for input from those we are speaking to. How can we modify our ladder supply system to minimize at-risk behavior? Do we always provide a sufficient supply and the right types for what you need? Is there something I can do to help improve this system? Is there something you know about how we use ladders that I should know? I'm here to deliver a talk on ladders, but is there something you can teach me? If so, tell me. I'm all ears. We can take their feedback and not judge it or defend the company policy, but just shut up and learn something. We can shift a basic toolbox talk from a safety lecture on rules to a learning opportunity to improve our systems. That's leadership. That's emotional intelligence. Putting the people we're talking to in the driver's seat. Serving them, not lecturing them. Another one is incident investigations. Any incident that occurs is an opportunity to teach emotional intelligence. It's an opportunity to bring up how the combination of circumstance, thought, and emotion creates behavior. Incidents are unique in that people are more willing to change when they hurt enough to see a need for a change. And when I say hurt, I'm not talking about an individual that was injured or killed. I'm talking about management hurting because they are dealing with their own negative consequences of the incident. Maybe they're in trouble with their client or their managers, but they are hurting in this context. This opportunity should always be taken advantage of. That's when people are ripe for change. So anytime someone says that the cause was human error, we have an opportunity to educate that human error is never the cause. How often does that opportunity present itself to you? I had this very opportunity just yesterday. I observed two friends discussing the outcome of an incident. And that phrase, human error, was spoken. It was an opportunity to shift the conversation, to shift their thinking. Incidents are always an opportunity to teach emotional intelligence. Then there's the training sessions. If you teach crane signal person training, then you are teaching communication. 
Why not include a session on effective communication techniques and deep listening skills? Same thing with discussing the requirements for a confined space attendant. Effective communication, reading people, managing the endless thought stream, all of that goes in hand with these typical regulatory training topics. Why not include emotional intelligence in all of the regulatory topics you teach? And then there's the meetings. Meetings are great opportunities to interject some leadership concepts. Maybe you will observe communications not going in the right direction and be able to interject some higher-level thinking. Maybe you can interject some human performance concepts while discussing the complexity of a project. Maybe you sense some emotional frustration with the current circumstance and can add some thoughts on the behavior model and intentional thinking skills. Maybe everyone is talking about what is wrong and you can add to the conversation some recognition for successes and strengths and the power of positive reinforcement. And lastly, there's the one-on-one -on -one conversations. We have so many one-on-one -on -one conversations at work. The one-on-one -on -one conversations will always have an opportunity for some emotional intelligence input. Sharing concepts for improving your thinking, managing emotion, gaining insight to the deeper thoughts underneath the words people speak. All opportunities that always seem to come up in the one-on-ones we have with people. And from a transformational standpoint, these one-on-one -on -one conversations can be the most powerful of all. As a general rule, most people are more open to these concepts when they aren't influenced by groupthink. I've had the most significant breakthroughs with people who are normally resistant to change in my one-on-one -on -one conversations with them. Those talks alone in their office or getting a coffee together, walking the job, those moments aren't just great opportunities to share these concepts, they also seem to have the greatest return on investment. So I haven't given you a specific roadmap on exactly what to do with these ideas. They are presented here more as opportunities to take advantage of. And because of that, we have to start by learning leadership skills and emotional intelligence. We have to study the concepts, meditate on how we see them at play in our life experience, try them out on our own, and then we can share and teach them in these moments. We have to develop ourselves to be the messengers. We can't give what we don't already have. But if we do continually develop these skills in ourselves, and if we meditate on these thoughts, we will come up with our own unique ways for including them in the work that we already do. That's the point, to include these concepts in the work that we already do. The more we do this, the more our people will think about it, the more normalcy we will bring to hearing and discussing these concepts. Over time, we will transform our little sandbox in the world. The more of us that do it, the more our profession will transform as well. 
Others will see what we are doing and they will want a piece of it. Practice makes perfect. And that's the great thing about these skills, that you can practice them anywhere. There are only so many opportunities to practice a confined space rescue or a rigging exercise or soil testing or donning a harness. But you can practice leadership skills anywhere. You can practice deep listening skills anytime you have a conversation with someone at work or at the grocery store. You can practice moving from your fast brain to your prefrontal while taking a shower or observing your workforce on the job site. You can practice consciousness while walking up a stair tower or flipping burgers on the grill. There are always more opportunities in life to practice leadership skills than the technical skills related to the safety profession. So we have to take advantage of these opportunities. Life is giving us all the time we need to practice and develop emotional intelligence inside and outside the work-life experience. We have all the time we need to master these skills. Wherever you are, you can start this transformation process right now. The more of us that start speaking these truths the more it will become normal to hear in safety conversations. The more the regulatory agencies and certification bodies see these conversations as normal, the more they will buy in and jump on board with us. I've seen this happen already to an extent. Many have been preaching the need for safety leadership for years, and now it's a two and a half hour elective in an OSHA 30 hour. We have been preaching moving away from recordables for safety performance for decades, and now OSHA is having roundtables on the benefits of leading indicators. When we change ourselves, the governing bodies see this change at play and they begin to follow. If we want to change them, we change them by changing ourselves. We will transform this industry by transforming ourselves first then the people around us, and then the system for becoming a safety professional will have to change. So let's all work together to transform our profession so people actually like safety people. The process starts with transforming ourselves. I'll leave you with a quote from John Maxwell. Most people want to change their circumstance to improve their lives. Instead, change yourself and you will automatically change your circumstances. Have a beautiful, transformational day. If you learned something valuable today, please share it with others. For more information, head over to leaderthink.com.